This is Jimmy Dore, uh, one of the giants in podcasting, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our old friend Matt Palumbo. Unfortunately, it's just a defect in our psychology that we're not very good at saving tomorrow. And if we got all our, you know, if we gave everyone their social security premiums back, the odds that it would be invested is very low. And then B, the, the odds that it would be invested well isn't great. You may remember Matt's been on the show, I think, uh, two times before. He is a young conservative, but don't be mad at him. He's actually a conservative who isn't nuts. That's why we like him so much. And, uh, uh, well, we're going to talk to him for uh, a little bit about uh, all kinds of things. Uh, I thought we were going to talk to him about the election and uh, the Trump administration, but we kind of gravitated more towards economics. And uh, he had some really interesting things to say, especially about the uh, flow of wealth upwards in this country. I think you're going to be surprised. And first, as, oh, at the end of the show, we're going to have a song of the week. That's going to be from Miley Cyrus. I think you'd be interested in that. But first, as always, a dumb bit. So this week's dumb bit uh, actually comes from a couple of weeks ago. I've kind of been delaying playing this. It's a bit of fun here for you. As you know, back in February, I was asked to be on BBC Radio 1 to play the Who game with Scott and Chris. Now, if you know what a Who is, a Who is something kind of retro, uh, dial-up internet, Who, something like that. So um, I was, I guess I did a good job because he emailed me and said, hey, we had it noted here that you were really great on the Who game. So would you like to be on again? And I said, sure. So uh, they had me on again. Uh, Deb was looking after the show for Scott when I was on, but Chris is still there as well. So uh, this is me uh, playing the Who game on BBC Radio 1. There's Deb and Chris on this week. It's Monday, it's Dev in for Scott this week. I might be a little bit rusty at this quiz because I've not done it for a while, but I reckon we play a little bit of the Who game. Yes, let's do the Who game. This is good. you just got to think of something retro, something from the past, something that's a little bit of a Who, and uh, and then, yeah, you get a shout-out on this show, followed by just a massive Who, like really clear your throat. Ovs wear a mask if you're a spreader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure, uh, make sure you've you got your two metres uh, distance between somebody. I want to go first because I've not done this for a while. Yeah? Okay, all right, here we go. MTV's punked. Great one. Did you used to present that? I would love to present MTV's punked. Do you always feel like they went a little bit too far sometimes? Like, mm. Do you remember that one they did with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he got proper mad and angry? Yeah. I w- who did used to present it? It was Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That was the proper. Hey. And then Rio Ferdinand did his own version. Murked. Oh. <laughs> You've been murked. The way less successful murked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my go. Lock-ins at the pub. Ho! Oh, that one actually hurt a little bit. Mm, I know. Sorry, Why guys. Why did you say that? Sorry. All right, let's go over to line one. Who's that? Oh, hi there. It's Halia from Bogner. Go on. Yeah. What you got? Um, Bluetoothing songs. <laughs> hey! 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 <laughs> Who? There was that one, and did you ever... Infrared. Sh- sh- oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> infrared! Yeah. Infrared yeah. Or, like, when you tried to look at something on your phone via WAP. <laughs> the original WAP. <laughs> oh. Uh, line two, who's that? Yeah. What have you got, please? Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name again? Did you say Kiev? Letter P, letter F. Ah. Uh, 
That's a that's a name. PF. Oh, PF. We're idiots. Yeah. I've always like French, like PF. Is it an abbreviation then? Deb is onto it. Patrick Francois. Oh, it's so much more French than PF. Whip that name out. Don't say PF. <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right, get out of there, PF. Uh, line three, who's that? Lydia, um, remember Kylie Jenner singing Rise and Shine? Yeah. Oh. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. I'm a little bit upset that didn't get turned into like a proper banger. Like, do you remember the song that was doing around a while ago of the um, the funeral dudes carrying the coffin? The da, da, mm. na, 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 proper viral sensation. Where's yeah. the Kylie Jenner one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think someone did try to turn it into a song, but it didn't really bother uh, the charts. It didn't, it didn't it really catch. Yeah. Right, it's a shame. It it's a shame. Uh, let me go again. I've not thought about this for a long time. This makes me very nostalgic. No Fear Apparel. Yeah. Hey! That's great. Do you remember with the eyes, with the evil eyes? Mm. It meant you you meant business. If you show up on the Astro Turf and a little bit of no fear apparel, oh, yeah. who's that young Beckham? Move yeah. out of the way. It's there with Fat Willies, isn't ah, it? Fat <laughs> For old school apparel. Apparel? Apparel? <laughs> Never known how to pronounce that. All right, my go. Tractor Boy Racer. Ho! Remember him? I don't know Oh, he's great. I'll play you a little bit of it now, but it's basically a guy, and he, he's, I mean, he's going so fast. I'm going for it! Trout! Here he is! He ain't seen me yet! Granddad! He's done him! He's done him! He's done him! He did not, he did not look happy. <laughs> Crazy! Do you know what? That's a new one for me. And for the minute, I'm all hooed out. So let's take a little bit of a break. And we'll carry on after this. Right, so we're back playing part two of the Who game. I would like to go again. And it's a, it's a TV show. That was very, very close to my heart. For a lengthy part of my childhood, Robot Wars. Hey! I actually, um, I won Robot Wars. Yeah, I, I heard about this. years ago, yeah. I heard yeah. about this. What, um, yeah. what happened with the trophy? Yeah, I've still got the trophy, yeah. Yeah, okay. So what, do you and Scott share it? Do you have a little timeshare well, thing theory, going on? I'll, I'll be honest with you, because I can't be with him about this whole Robot Wars trophy thing. What's happened, Dev, is occasionally this show wins an award. Right, but because my name's not above the door, uh, Scott takes all the awards, yeah. and that's cool. I get it. Like I know my place. However, with Robot Wars, it really was me that did most of the work yeah. with that. So I kind of refuse, even though I know it's the done thing to give him the trophy. I kind of refuse to do it because it's it's not a two way thing. Yeah, no doubt you you did the bulk of the work on Robot Wars. Yeah. Besides, there's probably there's probably not much space left on that Scott Mills trophy shelf, is there? Mm. Truth be told as well, I actually lent it to a mate and I, I never got it back. So. <laughs> 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 oh, there goes the timer. All right, quite oh, let's go. Quick fire who's? Solar Eclipse. Oh. It, it used to be such a big thing. Yeah. No one even mentions it anymore. Nah. Uh, line one, what have you got? Uh, the fake moustache trend. Hey! Yes, fake moustache. Uh, line two? Follow Friday. Hey! <laughs> yes, someone doesn't follow Friday anymore. Oh, PF. Line three? Yanni or Laurel? Uh, uh, Yanni. Uh, right, this is a who, as of last summer, when everybody, when they didn't like somebody, were calling them absolute weapons. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes the timer! Oh, good uh, 
game. That was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you very much for playing, guys. Thank you, Bye. I feel like two of you were taking part and one of you were trying to be PF. cool. Who was it? Who was it making noise just then? Is it PF? PF. PF's gone! PF's he's hung up on yeah, He's only here for He's not mucking around. Who game and then done? PF's hung up! <laughs> one! BBC! Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I am such a 15-year-old girl. I couldn't be more excited that I was on Radio 1 with Dev and with Chris. And who knows, maybe I'll be on again sometime. All right, uh, now let's move on to the interview. Matt Palumbo is an author, and I guess you could call him a talking head. He's been on several uh, cable news shows uh, espousing his conservative views and commentary. Uh, He's a great kid. You're really going to enjoy our chat with Matt Palumbo. There we go. uh, Nope. Auto... uh... Uh, order the client so I don't have the number. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, exactly. I do the same thing. Uh, yeah, a yeah. uh, lot of robocalls. They had that sorted it's for about like, a month, and then yeah, it's like ten ten a day. It's weird. They all they all went uh, disappeared during the like the early stage of the pandemic. Yeah, like how, how are they unemployed? Too? <laughs> <laughs> they figured we can we can do this from home still. Yeah, exactly. Why not? I got the uh, FedEx package one the other day. That was a text. What's that one? The, uh, it's a text they send you that says that uh, your package is in transit. Click on this link. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I block several numbers a day from that. Yeah. Yeah, I, they're getting more creative. There was once, like a few years ago, or not even a few years ago, like at least a year and a half ago, I was applying for jobs, so I had my resume out there. And there would be people who would pretend to be recruiters and would start yeah. asking you like personal questions to yeah, yeah. get something. There was one where, like, halfway through, I just was like, this just feels odd. Like, it felt <laughs> like this person was reading a script. So I Googled the number, and, and of course, it turns out to be a scam. But yep. they almost got me. Yeah, it's funny that uh, it's a, a recession-proof industry scams. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as I, you have another book coming out. Yeah, I mean, I try to do one a year, um, wow. which is proven a bit harder than I thought. Um, but, I, yeah, I did one in New York. Um, my publisher actually called me to pitch it. Um, and it was, like, a, right around, like, I, so I've been working on Bungino Report a lot um, since December of last year. Um, and that's pretty much for consuming my whole day. But then once we hired a new kid, uh, I started having a little bit of free time here and there. And wow. you know, right as that happened, my publisher called me with the idea and, like, explained, you know, what, what he thought would be a good premise for it. Um, and, you know, for me, it was just figuring out, all right, you know, do I know enough about this to do a book on it? And can I, I, I don't know, structure it in a convincing way? And I just thought, you know, I, I think it'll do well, too. Like, I, I don't know, people sort of love to hate de Blasio, regardless of their political affiliation. Yeah. So I just figured, like, you know, whatever side you come from, I think it, it, you'll like it. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I accept it. And, yeah, I think in two or three months to put it together and uh, it'll hopefully be out by January. So for those not familiar, what is the book about? As you said, it's about Bill de Blasio, but what... At the premise that he's, he ruined New York along with, I just saw that your tweet about it a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean, that, so the, the title's Dumb and Dumber, um, and I, I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate that people judge books by their cover because everyone <laughs> says they're going to buy it just because of that. Right. Um, and the subtitle is, uh, I think, yes, yeah, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruining New York. Um, 
Now, you know, I don't literally believe that though these two, like everything was paradise and they took office and everything just kind of went downhill from there. Um, you know, I, I divide up the book into a few sections. So the first is like their handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the second is, is just more general economics and that, and, you know, and explaining why New York's been hemorrhaging residents. And, you know, it's not just Cuomo, um, but, I, you know, I argue he's, he's continuing policies that, you know, high tax, high regulation policies that have been incentivizing people to leave for years. Um, and then the, the end is more de Blasio focused, and that's just on uh, crime in New York City. Um, and just, you know, sort of his relationship with the police since he took office and how it's, it's sort of deteriorated like a uh, uh, full, like a. Um, like I'm trying to think of a way to put it, it he had like a, not, not a great relationship with the cops the first few years he was in office, um, but there weren't really any big consequences of it. Um, and it just seems like the past year it's really accelerated more than I think you know the past over many years combined since he took office. Um, and, and we're starting to see effects, what you know, in the, in the effect of you know police resigning at much higher rates, um, people being much less uh, interested in becoming cops, uh, and just you know crime going up ac- across the board. You know what I always say? We love our cops and firemen until they want their pensions. But- <laughs> that is how it seems to work. Uh, I, I uh, It's kind of off topic, but like I was thinking about that the other day and um, how like, you know, obviously most teachers feel like they're underpaid and cops and most people in public professions. Um, but they do get the good deal on the pension. Um, and I was remembering some study of like, you know, how people value like, you know, a dollar today or, you know, how many dollars 20 years from now would you have to pay someone to give up a dollar today? Um, and I had this thought, I'm like, well, maybe like we could do away with pensions. And, you know, if, if they're going to get 500 grand worth of, of pension money in retirement, give them three or 400 grand extra now to the salary and they can invest it whatever they want or do whatever they want with it. Hmm. Um, but that's probably an entirely uh a topic that has nothing to do with this book, but just a random thought experiment I had. That'd be a, probably a good subject for a book. Some kind of like, you know, just just some, I would say radical ideas, but just some new or maybe if we thought of these ideas for, for economics. I think economics is one thing that it I, people try to make it partisan, but it really isn't. Cause, I mean, you and I have had this discussion before. Is that mm-hmm. One thing that, that seems counterintuitive to me, but many economists left and right say it is you should not tax corporations at all. You should tax people that work for the corporations, but not the yeah. corporations. And I'm like, it seems counterintuitive to me, but if that's what economists say, I'll, I'll try to become not an economist. So yeah, it's, it's, because, well, it's because the risk is like, if you know, if you reduce or increase tax on corporate profits, well, the corporation always, you know, do two things. They can reduce their employees wages yep. um, or they can raise prices. So it's just getting passed on versus, you know, you know, the, the thing is, if you want to tax rich people, just tax rich people, you know, raise income tax or, or you know, raise the tax on dividends because a lot, you know, some of the income they're getting from those corporations is in the form of dividends. Um, so, you know, there, there's ways to make it up in other areas. And then you're just targeting those people versus, you know, risking. And, and I don't think corporations, like, I don't think it's one for one. I don't think if you raise their taxes by a billion dollars, they're going to cut wages by a billion. I, I think, it, you know, might be some percentage. Um, but, you know, it, it is a fact they do offset some of that cost. Um, and, you know, you're not targeting that who you want to target. Yeah, I think um, and as I'm thinking about this, as as a man in your what your mid twenties now, yeah, twenty six, twenty six. Okay, uh, maybe you should be writing a book on like like I guess retirement is a good umbrella term for it, but you know, Social Security investing and things like that. Because I know I I get the people I have a lot of conservative friends that say, oh, I'd rather keep my money and invest it. But then I think of the Jerry Seinfeld joke. It's like, well, if you send your money out to work, sometimes it gets fired. 
(laughs) Unless you know what you're doing. The the unfortunate thing is people just don't know how to save money. Like, you know, we have this concept in America that like owning a home is the path to wealth. And you you start with that. You And that's only true because people are awful at saving money. You know, when you factor in the property taxes and the interest and the maintenance, it's not really an investment. It's just something you're forced to invest in. Right. Uh, If you own one and then you build it up, you don't really have a choice. So it's. Unfortunately, it's just a defect in our psychology that we're not very good at saving for tomorrow. And if we got all our, you know, if we gave everyone their social security premiums back, the odds that it would be invested is very low. Yeah. Um, and then B, the the odds that it would be invested well isn't great. I mean, That's... you would still have to have a government role and say, okay, you can keep the money, but it has to be in these index funds because – you know, the, the scams are going to are going to spring up left and right. So you're yeah, not even just scams. It's like who for, who has the time to do that kind of stuff? Well, you know, that's My, the thing. I mean, I have a degree in finance, and when I had to buy health insurance, and I'm reading through all the plans, I'm like, I have a degree in this, and, and I feel like I have no idea what I just bought. And like, yeah, yeah, so exactly. I, I can't imagine literally going in blind and trying to figure that out. Uh, I mean, the argument of Social Security is not a very good ROI, but it's not necessarily the point of the program. The point is just that you know people don't know how to save money and. We're not going to change that in a generation, so it's just kind of what we have have to have, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, though, uh, I, you know, I, 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 like, I think personally for me, I could you know invest my money better, but unfortunately, I don't think most people can. I, I have tried, and I can do okay. My um, wife got a she, – she used to reinvest her dividends from her company into buying more stock, and she accidentally mm-hmm. changed it one time because we were, we were doing a project, and she said, well, I'll, I'll take the money so we can get this done and not take it out of savings. Well, she mm-hmm. kept it going, and we got another check, and I said, let me take that. I'll sign up for a Robinhood account, and then I'll, I'll invest it. Yeah. And I've done that. I've made $6 so far. And, um, but my point, I'm doing it for the long haul because my mom, who's invested for years in the stock market, has always shrewdly bought high and sold low, continually, <laughs> despite my pleading with her, don't sell, don't sell. The only stock that's tanked for her that I would have is for some weird reason is GE, a defense contractor, an energy company, and an, uh, a, 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 a finance company, and all of their uh, branches, are, they're all rubbish. So we can't figure that one out. But all the if she would have held on to all those stocks, she'd be in you fantastic know, shape. The, the two worst investment strategies, it's, well, the first one's buy high, sell low, and the second yeah. is buy high, sell sober. Uh, yeah. sell sober. Both <laughs> right. don't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, I don't really have time to, I mean, I looked, I, I you know, my, I just based it on my mom's mistakes, basically, it was my investing strategy. Like, well, I'll buy companies that have been around for a long time and probably will be around for a long time. Yeah. And a comedian friend of mine who's actually, whose day job is uh, as, an, uh, as a financial advisor said, buy stuff that you actually use. So like invest in your cell phone uh, supplier and things like that. I'm like, well, that makes sense because if I'm using it, probably other people are too. I, 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 Right now, what I'm doing is, you know, I I was at the background of finance and like I I have invested personally and tried to outsmart the market with, you know, mixed results some years, some up, some years, some down. So I started a new fund where I, you know, just a new account within my brokerage where the strategy is I only can buy stocks where I deliberately don't understand the company and why (laughs) and why people are buying it. And it's my best performing one so far. Huh. So it just shows how much, how, you know, just do the opposite of whatever I, I think makes sense and you'll do fine. So, so that brings me to my next question. How disconnected yeah. is Wall Street from Main Street? Because we hear that, we've heard that since, gosh, twenty at least 2016, probably before that. Well, but. now, I mean, more than ever. Um, so it's, it is and it isn't. It's not in the sense that if you look at earnings relative to stock prices, it's not that detached. However... How many publicly traded companies are there? Well, there's only a couple thousand. How many businesses are there? There's 50 plus million. Um, 
So obviously, you know, your local mom and pop failing isn't going to show up in the stock market, but it is going to help Amazon. Um, So you're seeing I mean, I think we're seeing a a historic transfer of wealth to the top. um, And it is very disconcerting. Um, I mean, mean, if you look at the stats in cities in particular and what businesses are never going to recover, particularly restaurants, and it's very depressing and it's almost hard to to picture, but it it seems like that's what's going to happen. And so you don't even think like you it, you think there's a, enough of a change that's taking place now that will like never be reversed because even it seems now in the middle of spiking coronavirus cases people are still resisting uh, restrictions again both in this country and in the UK I listen to a lot of BBC radio and you know people are they're not liking it they're like well we're just going to tough through this instead yeah and the weird thing is like the restrictions obviously exacerbate you know unemployment. Um, but you'd still have a lot of unemployment even without the restrictions. Like, I can't remember. Someone did a comparison of restaurant service in states where there are no restrictions on dining versus like neighbors where there is. And well, it turns out if there's a virus going around. It tends to scare people. So, it, you know, there wasn't that much of a difference in who's going out to diners because the rules really weren't the deciding factor. It's you know, what percentage of the population is afraid of it and, and how much. Um, so, you know, I, I think certain states have gone a bit too far with the restrictions, but I, I don't think it's really the root cause of why unemployment is so high as so much as we got the virus. I mean, even if we had a scenario where everyone went to work every day unafraid and we all got this virus, well, eventually we're all going to, or as you said, we're all going to get it. We're going to be out of work for, you know, two weeks to a month. And being out of, you know, everyone in the workforce being out of work for up to a month is obviously going to blow a huge hole in the economy. Um, so we were kind of screwed no matter what with this thing, you know, lockdown or no lockdown. Yeah, what the weird thing that's happened with us both at home and with my job, I work for a small company that's not on the stock market. My wife works for a big company that is on the stock market. And uh, we found, first of all, we're spending a, a lot less uh, since the pandemic. So we decided to get some things done around the house. So we're spending money there instead. So the money's just going to a different place in the economy. Correct. And secondly, uh, the company I work for actually seems to be doing better. Uh, we have two. We had three stores. We closed one permanently. We still have two. But uh, most of the business, uh, well, of course, was online between March and I think we reopened the stores in August. And the stores are doing okay. They're doing a little worse than they were last year overall. But online, we're just smashing it. And yeah. so the, the money is still out there, I guess. But it's weird to us that there are so many unemployed people, yet we're still be able to sell people T-shirts. It's the strangest thing. It's, I mean, it, 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 I guess one proof is, and this completely changed my thinking, is that stimulus spending works if you do it properly. And it, it looks like, you know, when it's, hey, people, you know, this is obviously a unique recession where it, it's not like at first jobs weren't really lost. They were sort of just put on hold. Yeah. And in theory, it was like, all right, we're going to stop time. You guys can't work for it was you know what fourteen days that was you know turned yeah. out more than fourteen days and you know in theory it was like all right well we got we got to plug the gap with stimulus for about a month get everyone paid so it's as if they're not unemployed and they'll all get back to work obviously that didn't happen that way however it, it did prove to be very effective um, more so than and obviously the Obama recession is a completely different recession it was a financial crisis but you know I think it took thirty months to reverse or to get to the unemployment we're at today um, and, and Obama's stimulus was more like that public works type stimulus um, you know as opposed to direct subsidies um, so you know it seems like well it's, you know it's sort of good to know for, you know going forward for future crisis is like oh we just should just give people money as opposed to trying to put together these makeshift projects um, but you know that's really my only main takeaway from you know that 
uh, part of the response to it. What do you think the stimulus will have? What kind of an effect will it have like down the road? Because for years, you know, proper fiscal conservatives and even, you yeah. know, conservative Democrats were like, you know, you know, debt's bad, spending bad. Mm. But then as soon as this pandemic hit, we got to get some goddamn money into people's hands. That was incredible. The 180 both sides did. It was yeah. like, it was just all of a sudden, you know, it turns out we actually do have all this money. Um, <laughs> Oh, well, because and, and it's because I know they'd all get voted out if they didn't approve this. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, my, my take is this. I mean, what one of the arguments I made against stimulus in the past is like if you were to view it over a 10 year period, um, I think it's a net negative in that, you know, if you spend a trillion dollars in stimulus, you got to spend a trillion dollars plus interest to pay it back over the years. That being said, you know, if you were in a situation of having to pay a $100,000 fine or paying a you know $2,000 fine plus 10% interest, or let's say a $3,000 fine over 50 years, obviously the three grand comes out to a bit more, but in terms of peace of mind and, you know, your immediate financial situation, you'd actually prefer that one if you, you, know, if you can't come up with a hundred K. So it's sort of like that. It's like, yes, it's going to technically be net negative over the long run, economically but in terms of human well-being it's probably going to be a net positive um that being said obviously this is a situation that we never would have wanted to happen in the first place um i wrote a little note here about something you said earlier as we how as a, a why would say a conservative economist do we are we able to reverse the transfer of wealth upwards at the rate that it's going is there any way to like dial it back is you know will people see the good in dialing it back and maybe having a little more money down river or is that something? Yeah. Just- I mean, I, I think it's just a combination of, of cutting spending and raising taxes. Um, obviously the raising taxes part isn't as popular on the right, but I think our taxes are like 26% of GDP and our federal spending at all levels, or not, uh, not federal, federal plus state and local spending is somewhere around 40 ish percent of GDP. So it's like, you know, what else are you going to do to plug that gap? Um, I, I really don't think it would be the end of the world if we had like a 50% top tax rate on income above, you know, at least a million or so. Um, and, and obviously it's not going to get all of it, but, um, uh, you know, I think it's somewhere we could start, um, at, you know, as a uh, cut in government. Um, I, I mean, one way is just to let inflation do its job is, you know, just freeze spending every year. And if inflation is two or 3%, it's, you're technically cutting spending two or 3%. Um, and it's a way to cut spending without people getting angry as well. Um, so you know, just some ideas off the top of my head, but you know, I'm sorry, I don't have a more comprehensive. No, 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 that's, that's, answer. it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I've, uh, I remember when the net, when the deficit was like five hundred billion, I, w- I would sit down and try to solve it, and now it's three trillion. I've realized uh, I've been defeated. I think. So, uh, what does the future hold for you, young man? Is it? Uh, do you, do you want to continue being an author? I know you kind of had notions of being a pundit. You appear on a, a radio show regularly, or you were for a while, correct? Yeah. So I, my first radio, uh, show I ever did on TV was Red Eye um, on Fox. It was like a oh, okay, yeah. Show. My friend yeah, Paul yeah, Mercurio yeah. does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew him. From, well, I didn't know him, know him, but I, you know, I knew. You know of him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I did that. Um, and then I stayed in touch with Tom Shalou, who was the host of the show. Um, and he had a radio show for a little while, so I went on that here and there. Um, and I think he has something on like Fox's streaming service, but I haven't been on those shows in a little while. Um, I've just been kind of hunkered down uh, in front of my computer. Oh, uh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, you know, work-wise, I'm doing. And I think I'm gonna, I might be repeating myself, but a general. Um, it's you know six a.m. to six p.m. usually every day. Wow, I'm just updating the site all day. Um, and then you know I'm doing other work in the meantime, like writing and stuff and putting out videos and all that. Um, but it's pretty much my day, six days a week. Um, and then I just play poker compulsively at my day off. Oh, nice online or with yeah. friends? So, online, which uh, 
it's unfortunate because everyone there is so good. Um, but the casinos are hopefully opening up sooner on me. So it might go uh, one day this weekend. Hmm. Actually, I've always wanted to learn poker, but one of those things I just never have time for. It's just weirdly with the pandemic, it's, I just got busier. I got my hours got reduced last fall at my regular job down to hours hourly. And they're like, well, we don't want to cut you loose. So whatever you want to do, you, but we can't pay you to do your regular job anymore, like full time. So I worked in the stores, I worked in the warehouse, did my old job too. And then January hit. And uh, we did a shirt to help the uh, Australian wildfires. We helped the zoo in Australia. Yeah. And that exploded. And then right as that was winding down, the pandemic hit. And we started selling you know, masks and funny T-shirts about the pandemic. And I got hired back full time. Cool. And I got another full time, not full time, a part time gig doing social media. But so the bottom line is, I'm jealous of all these people that have all this time on their hands. <laughs> They're like, I'm yeah. those no, projects it's I the have. Weirdest thing. I have not, it, I, I always joked, I'm like, my lifestyle has not changed at all in the past nine months. One of my roommates works for a real estate company, and there's all this demand for people leaving cities. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, he, so, he, so he's working overtime, and then my other roommate works for this. Um, it's not like a well-known company, but it's they buy and sell like usually like antique type items. But a large part of their business is gold and silver, which a lot of people are investing in. So you know he's working all like crazy too. Um, so you know we're we're it's we're very blessed that you know the three of us all uh, somehow are working more throughout a pandemic. Um, but you know also nice. Yeah, some of my freelance stuff went away, and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm secretly glad because um, I don't have time between, you know, right. trying to do a good job for my full-time employer and a good job for my secondary employer. I'm like, you know what? I, it's hard enough getting the podcast out. You're my first um, live guest since for about four weeks now. I've been running Encore presentations of like real early episodes that aren't even on uh, iTunes anymore. They're so old. So uh, it was nice to get a, a, a regular guest on again. And oh, one other quick thing, another note I had here from something you said, you were, uh, you were saying about New York bleeding residents. And I know it's due to, you know, possibly due to uh, de Blasio and Cuomo, but also from the pandemic, you know, we've noticed people yeah, so, aren't able yeah, to. So that, I do make that point. Like in, in New York, it started, I think, in 2017. And it was like, you know, they lost the first year. It was like they lost like ten thousand people, and they should have gained sixty or something, which is not that 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 much. Um, the next year it was more, and then during the pandemic, it kind of, that's when it kicked into overdrive, and it was like half a million people leaving, and we don't really know if they'll come back. Um, so in New York City, it's a more recent phenomenon. Um, in New York, the time frame I have is over the past decade. Um, and the phrase I use, the term I use is net internal migration. It's, you know, those leaving versus those coming in. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a million over that time frame. Um, but, you know, the state still grew 2% due to like, uh, um, well, A, people coming in, even though there's still people leaving, uh, and then childbirth. Um, but it, they grew, it was like 2% at a time when the national population grew 20%. So, you know, it was obviously just lagging that. Um overall but do you, but you think this will be exacerbated by the fact that the pandemic even when it's over you know people are starting to realize i don't really have to live in new york city to work that's, i can work somewhere that's else that's a big thing like or los angeles or particular it's you know it's all it's mostly blue collar or uh, white collar workers or that yeah. I, a lot of like i'm on juno report every every day there's a story of Sil some silicon valley uh, firm going well actually we only need half of you and to work in person um and, and yeah, I mean, I, the, you know, the company I work for, there's, I can't remember how many of us, but you know, there's not a single two, a single one of us who works alongside someone else. Everything is remote. And I, I same with my roommate. He's working for, uh, I can't remember the name of the real estate company, but he's been doing it from, you know, just a few, like a door down for me the whole time. Um, and I, I don't know, it does seem like there's a much larger percentage of work that can be done that way than we previously thought. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I 
like New York, it's fine. I get the attraction. It's easy to get around in. You can, you know, walk down the, to the corner yeah. and get something to eat if you want to, everything. But yeah, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live there. And now people don't have, same thing with Los Angeles. Love Los Angeles visiting it. But when you're out there for a week, you're like, oh my God, two hours to get like, literally to get two miles. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I like New York for uh, about a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I get the appeal, but. All right, so where can folks find you? I usually see you on, mostly on uh, Twitter. Occasionally, yeah. I mean, they're probably not going to like what I have to say there, but I am on Twitter. So oh no, it's it, it's fine. You had a funny joke today, a, a funny Stevie Nicks joke, which was uh, thank you. I mean, pretty I, and by the way, it, it, it was just the most obvious thought I had. Like, yeah, there are certain jokes I make where, like, I'm not even making a political point. I'm yeah, yeah. A point oh like, no, no, it's this makes no logical sense. Like, even if. Even if she's right, it just logically doesn't make well, any sense. The irony is of that is that she always calls her songs her babies. One and <laughs> and two, she um I forget I can't what song it is. The B side, I think it's to a Fleetwood Mac song. It's not one of her solo, but the B side to a Fleetwood Mac song, she gives her mom writing credit, and the idea was so her mom would con- would forever get royalties from the song. Huh. So it's like she's pretty close to her mom. So yeah, it was that was kind of an odd thought. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, I mean. Pro-choice, I mean, but still, odd thought. I don't think we should change our abortion laws. I was just like, right, I, I, exactly, yeah, yeah. Like it was personal, a, that was a personal, <laughs> yeah. I don't think personal accomplishment though. No. Because like my train of thought, I was like, well, there there is even if you didn't have an abortion, there technically is a chance she still would have been part of the band. Sure, but if her mother had an abortion, we know for sure it's a zero percent chance she would have been. So Absolutely. you know that, that was yeah. my what I just thought was kind of ironic about it. That, yeah, um, and where else? Certainly, where else? Um, so yeah, mainly just Twitter. Um, obviously, BonjinaReport.com is you know we're adding stories all day. Um, and Dan does want me to start doing a podcast eventually. So that's oh, right. there you go. Something next year. Cool. Uh, I might have to consult with you for help. <laughs> that's uh, always here. I uh, produce well my own podcast, one for the t-shirt company and one for a lady that does an aviation podcast. So. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. Um, uh, uh, tap me when, whenever you need, and I'll let you get back to work on that book, young man. And uh, good luck. No, to the you. book's done, but I do appreciate oh, it. Okay, yeah. great. Well, yeah. we'll uh, look for that in January then. All right, sounds good. Yeah, we'll talk about it then. All right, thanks, man. Yep, no problem. Bye. Thanks again to Matt Palumbo for being on the show. You can find him on Twitter, just Matt Palumbo, simple as that. Uh, he says if you're of the, uh, I guess he suggested if you're of a more uh, liberal mindset, you won't enjoy his tweets. But I think he really actually will. Like I said, he's not nuts. So, And the things he comments on, he actually does his research. So uh, you may disagree with him, but he's usually got his facts right, So, which makes him more irritating, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, follow Matt at all the places he mentioned back in the interview. And uh, we will move on to the song of the week here, which comes from Miley Cyrus, stumbled on this one in Freegal, it was a featured tune, uh, which was kind of strange. Um, it just showed up. Uh, I guess she did this live at the iHeart Music Festival, which was a couple of months ago, I reckon. Um, anyway, it's a cover of Blondie's Heart of Glass. And I know people get upset with Miley, and I get it, but I was thinking about it. You know, if you were a dude, 99.9% of the stuff she does, people would be like, oh, you, but in a, she's a girl, so it's like, hey, hey, wait a second. And I guess also, of course, being the fact that she started her career uh, on a, I guess, an iconic flagship Disney Channel show, I guess kind of hinders her as well, but who cares? I mean, it's, you know, anyway, um, I kind of like this cover because I was thinking about covers. Covers come into two categories, basically. Ones that sound a lot like the song and maybe too much like the song, so you're kind of like, well, what's the point? But then if it sounds too different, you're kind of like, well, then they ruin the song. So when I'm thinking of covers that sound different than the original, but are really good, Always On My Mind by uh, Pet Shop Boys. And I guess Willie Nelson, because he didn't write it. He just did a cover of it in 82. Um, the cover of Stereo Hearts by Paradise Fears, uh, great. And uh, 
uh, another good one is the cover of Come On Eileen by Ska Band from California, Save Ferris. That's a good one. Took a kind of an Irish-sounding tune and made it all Scotty-like, and it works brilliantly. So anyway, oh, and then Midnight Oil's uh, Peace, Love, and Understanding. What's the one? Peace, Love, and Understanding. Doesn't sound too different from Nicolo's or Elvis Costello's, but it sounds enough like them that they put, a, you know, kind of put their shine on it. So anyway, in this case... The song stays pretty true to the original Heart of Glass, but uh, Miley brings out her really strong, you know, kind of almost, not, I wouldn't say raspy voice, but um, it's a little different than the lilty vocal, I would say, of Debbie Harry. So I think you're going to dig this. I really uh, kind of like this, like I said. Doesn't ruin the song, puts her own spin on the song, and I think it came out really good. See what you think. It's Miley Cyrus, Heart of Glass, our song of the week on PFS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.